Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. In this series, When God Says No, we started last week looking through various scriptures from the Old Testament and the New Testament about when God says no. And when God says no, there is a promise that is attached to it. Now, we know from what the Scripture says that all of God's promises are in Christ Jesus, in Him, yes, and in Him, amen. So He's not just saying no to flat-out refuse. These no's are leading us into His ultimate yes. And so I've been wanting to give you some clear biblical understanding um, of what it means for us when God says no. You know, there are people who automatically think um, that God wants nothing to do with them. Uh, maybe because of sin in their life, their own failures. Maybe they don't even know God. But there are even Christians um, who feel that way. I want to read a verse of Scripture to you in Colossians chapter 1, verses, 22, verses 21 through 22. Colossians 1, 21 through 22, it says, And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Now, Notice what it says, enemies in your mind by what? By wicked works, by your evil doings. And so you automatically felt that and sensed that distance from God. Yet now he, Jesus, has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. So, you know, how many people think God sees them and how God actually sees them is really quite different. But because of their own sins and failures, they don't see what God sees. Their minds have been clouded with confusion. You know, the the scripture says that they are ruled by the prince of the power of the air. And we know the enemy is out to do chaos and bring confusion. So as a result, they don't expect God to even look their way uh, or to even answer their prayers when God is so willing to do that. Then there are those who are just trapped in a religious mindset. You know, they've been taught things about God. They've been taught things about their relationship with God. And most of it is uh, steeped in insecurity. You know, they've been taught that they should just be happy that they're saved and um, God's not obligated to do anything for them. And they need to make sure that whatever they pray for, it better be in the perfect will of God. And so, you know, being that, but his will is also very mysterious and, and kind of outside of our understanding. So there's no assurances in their life, their, in, in their relationship with the Lord. So then they just kind of, whatever happens, you know, I just need to trust God because he knows better in the end. That way, if they don't see the answer to their prayer, they just assume that God said no. And it was for some divine cosmic purpose that he may or may not reveal to them whatever his will may be. I have one word for that. That's hogwash. And many people have been duped by that, been duped by bad teaching and uh, by misinterpretation and misappropriation of the scriptures. And that's why I want us to be careful about how we walk through this and see what the Bible is really telling us. Because when we know this truth, this truth sets us free. Praise God. God is your heavenly father, and he loves you very much. And so as a result of him being your father, he is absolutely obligated to take care of you. He knows what you have need of before you even ask. Why? Because he's a good heavenly father. He's concerned about every aspect of your life. But 
He wants to hear you bring your request to Him, not prayers of uncertainty or false humility, but prayers of faith, where you have an expectation that your Heavenly Father hears you. You know, I, I, I love what Jesus said when He's standing before Lazarus to me. He says, Father, I thank you that you hear me always. You, as the children of God, have, need to have that same confidence. Father, thank you that you hear me always when I pray, because He does. God did not save you to just tolerate you. He made you a whole new creation in Christ Jesus. You are all sons of God, the Bible says, through faith in Him. So you have every right then to go to your Father and freely ask Him for whatever it is that you want, whatever you desire, the the Bible says. And these are His terms, and anything else is just religious nonsense. So what we've seen so far, just a little recap from last week, is from Genesis 17, 5, God has this meeting with Abram. And he introduces himself in the very beginning of chapter 17 by saying, I am Almighty God. It's the first time we see God revealing himself as El Shaddai, the all-sufficient sustainer or the God of more than enough. And by the end of this meeting, God has given Abram a new name to Abraham so that that name now reflects this God of more than enough. Abraham meaning father of a multitude of nations. And God said, no longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. And what we learn from that is you are who God says you are. And who he says you are is exceedingly abundantly above all that we could even ask or think. Amen. We, uh, the scripture says, as Isaac was, are children of promise. You are a child of promise. This is what God says about you. And in Galatians 3, says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what that's saying is that whatever Abraham received from God, so have you. You've been blessed with the blessing of Abraham. And that blessing is this, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. You are who God says you are. And the the second place that we looked where God says no is later on in Genesis 17 and verse 19, where he says, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. This is amazing. So Abraham was wanting God to already bless what he had done in in taking Hagar, uh, the bondwoman, and and, uh, having a son with her named Ishmael. And Abraham is saying, why don't you just look up on my performance and bless that? And God says, no, no, I want you living in, in promise, not performance. And so we understand from this uh, verse of scripture is that God's promise is greater than our performance. Praise God. And so God is not going to have it any other way because God is a God of promise. Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he sent. And God says no to anyone who simply won't believe, who won't believe on his son. He says no to those who are striving in their own strength, their own reasoning and understanding for spiritual gain. But his promises are open to all who will simply believe. And then James chapter 1, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. And then we looked at John as well. It says, In him there is no darkness at all. So we understand that the Father's gifts are an expression of him. And he never changes So his gifts are never going to change. Praise God. I love that. And now we're going to get into some new things today. And we're going to go to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. Joshua 
chapter 1 and verse 5. And this is what the Lord says to Joshua as Joshua is, has now become the leader of the nation of Israel to take them now into the land of promise. And he says to him, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, I also want to take us over to Hebrews chapter 13, the, the latter part of that verse. But I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version because it's just so potent. It's so strong. It says, He, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not. I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Isn't that beautiful? So this is God telling us here. Hebrews, oh, later on in Hebrews 13, 6, um, New King James says, so we may boldly say, so this is our response to this God who says, I'm in this with you all the way through. I will never leave you. I will not abandon you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. In Joshua 1, the Lord said, no man shall stand before you. I want you to write this down if you can. Um, God is with you for life. God is with you for life. I want you to say that. God is with me for life. Now, that is a kind of a vague statement, kind of a general statement, but there's, it's specific, though, to something that has been said here in the Scriptures. In these verses from Joshua and Hebrews that we just read, the emphasis of the Lord's presence and help is specifically stated in regard to man's opposition. This means that the, the Lord has freed us from the fear of man. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. That's an amazing truth, isn't it? There, there is no one who can stop you from truly living in the realities of God's promises. But if you choose to let what others think or say intimidate you and influence you, then um, you're not going to allow that access to what God has promised you. You're going to allow them to stand in the way of you receiving help from the Lord. Your walk of faith, no doubt, is going to stand out. And maybe you're somebody who is on social media quite a bit and you've you know, maybe talked your Christian faith and probably quickly found that there was opposition to that. But above every opinion and above every reasoning of man or opposition from other people, choose to believe God above all that. You have to make that choice. The fear of man fuels much of our modern day social construct. Um, we, we don't want to offend anybody. You know, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So we have to say everything just right. Seems like everything is monitored um, so heavily. Uh, and, and if we don't say the right thing, then we're going to reap the, the whirlwind uh, of backlash. We're bombarded with this, you know, political rhetoric that is often veiled in phrases like social justice. But I have found, and I think you probably have too, this has become a platform that fuels racism and division like we've not seen in many, many years. But we have this promise from God. No man shall stand before you all the days of your life. Persecution comes with the territory, no doubt about it. But don't be afraid of that. You need to remember that God is with you all of your life, and no one can oppose that, not long term.
In 2011, um, I had been the pastor here for about eight or nine months, and Heather and I faced some heavy opposition from a man and his wife who had actually been our dear friends for many years. And um, <clears throat> something just changed in him. He got online and started just reading a bunch of weird stuff and uh, people twisting scripture, especially on the subject of giving, you know, saying that tithing was not New Testament and any of that. And, and then he began to talk about my father in a very dishonoring way. Well, <clears throat> I, I didn't like that very much. And so we're, on the, we're, we're having a phone conversation. I'm on my way actually to do a wedding when everything in our relationship just turned. I mean, just upside down. And I ended up having to hang up on him because he just wouldn't stop. He just got on this rant. And uh, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And um, anyway, a couple of days later, this email came out. And this guy, you know, knew the tech world. And so he set it up where this email was blasted out to all of our people and even friends of our ministry. Um, and, and then it would just a new one would come in their inbox every few minutes. It was the same email, just kept looping into people's email, uh, their inboxes. And so we started getting phone calls like, what is this? And I didn't even know that it even happened initially until we started getting those calls. I went, what's going on? So I finally found the email and, and this man was accusing Heather and I of all kinds of stupid stuff that we were embezzling money at the church and that we were, you know, uh, using money to buy luxurious things and I'm looking around, it's like, what's, where's all the luxurious stuff that this guy's talking about? And so, but I was deeply troubled by this, though. And I have to admit, it, I was afraid. I was afraid what people would think. Um, I was about to head out of the country for India to do a pastor's conference there. And, and this man puts in his email, you know, how can you go out of the country at this time when your church needs you so bad after, you know, what's been exposed about you? And I'm just a bunch of garbage. And I mean, I was, I was extremely angry about it and uh, hurt. So Heather and I just decided we were just going to give it to the Lord. And so a couple of days later before I left for India, um, I met with my staff and we printed out the email so that we could kind of go over it together. And um, of course, all of our staff was upset about it. And I called them uh, up here to the church and we met at the house here next door and had the emails printed out and had them come in. I said, listen, as you come in, no words. I don't want any words spoken. And uh, so everybody just stayed quiet. I mean, everybody wanted to say something about it, but they didn't. And I brought a guitar over and I said, we're just going to worship God. We're going to magnify him right now and uh, invite his spirit to lead us and to guide us. And so we did. We just worshiped the Lord. And I mean, the presence of God was so strong in there. And we, we wept before the Lord. And it was just beautiful. And, but it's like all of a sudden, all of that angst and all of that anxiety about the situation, the anger, even the fear, just it was dissipated. And, and the clouds went away, and we were able to sit down together. And as we were reading over these emails, instead of being angry and ranting about it, we found ourselves laughing at just the, the foolishness of the whole thing. And I, I thought, maybe I need to address the church about this. You know, I need to bring this before the people. But I felt the Lord telling me, no, don't give attention to this. Just don't give attention to it. And uh, if anybody has questions, certainly answer the questions. But 
don't give attention. And I had just been in, a, in some of you will remember this. We were walking through the book of Proverbs on Wednesday nights and uh, we had just gotten through uh, the verse and I can't think of where it is right now. It says, do not answer a fool according to his folly. In other words, don't stoop to that level. And so I just decided I'm not going to do that. And I encourage our staff, listen, let's not let's not get into this. Let's not stoop. Let's stay on the high road and uh, let's just walk by faith and know that God is our defense and he's with us. And this is not going to prosper. This is not going to hurt our church. And I'm happy to say, uh, you know, after that man and his wife left, they took another another couple left uh, that were convinced of their story. But our church grew so close during this time. As a matter of fact, we began to grow even during that very difficult time. And I found out God knows what he's talking about, and he really is with us. We have this promise from God. Listen what David says. I love this in Psalms chapter 34, verses 3 and 4. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Listen, when opposition is coming your way, and maybe you're in a situation right now where things have been said about you, there have been accusations come against you, I want you to take this moment now and magnify God. Begin to lift him up and worship him. And remember, he's greater. Hallelujah. The greater one is with you, and he's on your side. And he's not going to let that stuff stick. He says, let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Don't let the fear of man torment you for one more second of your life. Look to Jesus, magnify him. Every, for every conceivable problem that is made by man out there, God has a solution. God has an answer. Remember this, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Praise God. Now, we're going to go to uh, the next truth about when God says no. In Psalms chapter 91, now I did preach on this the very beginning of our online experience. I'm not going to expound on this verse so much, but I do need to tie a couple of things together. And it's Psalms chapter 91 and verse 10. And it says, No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. And then Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Now here's the truth we're going to glean from these two passages of Scripture. You are victorious over public and personal attacks. You are victorious over public and personal attacks. By public, I mean no plague should come near dwelling, like what we're facing here with COVID-19. It has affected the entire globe. I'd say that's a, a public attack. But then there's the personal attacks, those, that tongue that rises against you in judgment. And that's the one I want to just uh, talk about and emphasize here, just kind of piggybacking on what I just talked about, overcoming the fear of man, knowing that the Lord is with you all your life. And it says that you will condemn the tongue that rises against you. So you and I have a part to play in this. But then later on, it says this is the heritage of the servants of God. Isn't that amazing? This is our inheritance. What is that inheritance? We have words of authority that trump what other people say. Those who are condemning us, those who are bringing accusations, we have a higher authority. It's called the word of God. And we have his word in our mouth, and it's the highest authority. You know, 
Your righteousness, it says, their righteousness is of me. So we didn't gain our righteousness. We did not attain self-righteousness because of a bunch of good things we did or because we behave well. We were gifted righteousness from God. And because we now have his righteousness, praise God, what we say carries a lot of weight. And upon that, I want to walk you through some scriptures here about what this highest authority means for you as, as a believer. You know, in John chapter 12, verses 48 through 50, I'm going to read several scriptures here, but stay with me. This is such a powerful truth. Uh, John 12, 48 through 50, Jesus says, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. And then in John 14, 10, Jesus kind of reiterates this about not being uh, on his own authority. He says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. So Jesus is teaching us that he was a man under authority, even though Jesus is God. Yet he is submitted to the Father. Whatever the Father says, that's what I say. Whatever he tells me to say, whatever he tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I don't do this on my own authority, so I have his authority backing me. And then in John 14, 26, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So now we understand that the Holy Spirit is bringing to remembrance what Jesus has said. John 16, verses 13 through 15. I'm not trying to go too fast, but I can't go too slow either. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. I love these verses. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine, of what is mine, and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So we understand in this Godhead, he's one God, yet he's three, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There is this beautiful, loving submission. The Spirit does not speak on his own authority. He speaks what Jesus speaks. Jesus does not speak on his own authority. He speaks what the Father speaks. This is so powerful. And there's a a big reason why God works like this. Because Uh, Well, in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 16, Jesus says these words, But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Even the Apostle Paul used this same phrase in 2 Corinthians 13, 1. He says, This will be the third time I'm coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Now, it's important that when we see repetitions like that, where Jesus Um, spoke by the mouth of two or three witnesses, or when Paul says by the mouth of two or three witnesses, where was it first said? Well, it's all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 19 and verse 15. And it says, one witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. So this has to do with a testimony. And if there's only one witness to bring a testimony, 
to bring a charge against someone for something they've done, according to the Bible, that won't stand. There needs to be two or three witnesses so that the matter can be established. I, I think you're probably catching this. Isn't this amazing? We have three witnesses who have a testimony about us. And whatever they testify, you have to remember this, this testimony is established. This testimony is a done deal. And here is their testimony. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? This is God Almighty's testimony of you today. Isn't that wonderful? So the enemy, he's not a tripart being. He's one witness. Every accusation, every lie, every words of condemnation he tries to bring against you, it doesn't stand because three witnesses have already spoken on your behalf. I want you to be free in that today. Hallelujah. Don't entertain any of those stupid devil's lies. Amen. You just shut them off and you open your mouth and you say what God has said. You reiterate God's testimony about your life. You are victorious over public and personal attacks because the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have testified on your behalf. Take up your shield of faith. You know, Ephesians chapter 6 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, by which you will be able to quench or extinguish all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Those fiery darts are not literal fiery darts. Those are lies. Those are accusations uh, from the devil that he's trying to hurl at you to keep you down, to keep you bound, to keep you depressed, to keep you in fear. But no, by faith, see, you're able to extinguish all of those things. Faith in what? Faith in the Word of God. Faith in the God who loves you. Faith in what He has said about you. So wield that sword and hold that shield up in faith. And remember this, God is absolutely on your side. That's, that's what this is teaching us. He has given you and I the victory over all public and personal attacks. Praise God. So I want to leave you with these thoughts today. Remember, God is with you for life. There's no reason to fear man. As a matter of fact, boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Don't be bound by the opinion of man. And then we also saw that you are victorious over public and personal attacks. You need to understand that your part in this is you condemn every tongue that rises against you. That is, you say what God has said. There's no man uh, no word that can stand against what God has said. The, uh, the matter is established forever and ever and ever. Amen. Praise God. May the Lord bless you now and may he keep you and may he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and all of your house and give you peace in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.